Okay, we are live. Welcome to the show. Today, our guest is Jen Spencer. She leads a team of almost 200 people as CEO of SmartBug Media, a globally award-winning intelligent inbound marketing agency. Prior to her role at SmartBug, Jen was the VP of Sales and Marketing at Allbound, a partner relationship management software uh, SaaS provider. Jen, thanks for joining us today. Oh, so excited. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. So you got a lot going on. You got a big team. Tell us a little bit about what's cooking at SmartBug. Um, share with us some of the, the fun clients and, and projects you guys are working on. Sure thing. So so as you, you said, you know, we're an intelligent inbound marketing agency. We are HubSpot's uh, top, top rated partner. So an elite partner with HubSpot. Also working with Clavio in the direct-to-consumer e-commerce space. And we're also a master elite partner with them. So usually our clients are coming to us because they want help in driving more revenue for their businesses. And they're using a platform like HubSpot if they're um, on that kind of that inbound side, typically more B2B, although sometimes, um, sometimes very highly consultative B2C. Or on the e-commerce side, they're using they're using Clavio, and uh, and we're helping them um, just drive more revenue for those those goods that people are buying directly online. So that's really the way that we help. And it's pretty much if it's digital, we probably do it. <laughs> so uh, full service, uh, but really leveraging the inbound methodology, which is really important to us. So can you talk a little bit about inbound methodology? I mean, these are words we all hear, but sure. uh, you know, I'm not sure if I've ever even gotten a full definition from an expert about what is the difference between inbound and outbound. Well, I think I think inbound, and one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of this methodology is it's all about identifying who is most likely to benefit most from whatever it is that you have to offer, really understanding who those people are. So yes, the business 100%, like what does that customer profile look like? But also really, really importantly, the people that actually sit in those roles who have lives, honestly, like outside of the job that they have, right? Who are those people? And can we personify them? How do we create a semi-fictionalized representation of who they are and then identify like, what is that buyer journey like? How do they go from not even knowing that they have a pain? They're just going about living their life, like doing something the way they've always been doing it or the way they've been taught to recognizing, you know what, this is a little bit more uncomfortable than it needs to be, or things could be a little bit better. How do they recognize what that pain is? And then sort of self-diagnose, right, what's going on, and then seek solutions for their problems. And so if you think about like anytime you've maybe tried to personally problem solve something, uh, maybe it's like fixing something in your house or it's looking up like a, a symptom you might have, a medical you know, related issue, you probably are going through this sort of journey, right? And and the, that's what the inbound methodology is all about. So for our clients, we help them really understand behaviorally what's going on with those um, those those buyer personas, the people who are actually going to make the purchase, who ha have the influence in the business, and what do you as a business mean mean to them? And and the rest is all about using the right content, the right messaging, leveraging tools like HubSpot that allow you to provide the appropriate uh, message at the right time to the right person. And, and, it, and it works and it's so much more effective than reaching out cold to someone and 
telling them, like forcing a solution down their throat, telling them they have a problem versus slowly helping people recognize that, you know what, like, I don't, I don't think I always have to keep living this way or we don't have to keep operating this way and kind of coaching them along and um, positioning yourself as the leader in that space and the trusted advisor that that you probably are. Very cool and and very important. Something we've learned firsthand at Incentive Pilot. You know, we were working with uh, administrators running these big contests, enterprise companies, and we were building these tools and making their lives easier. And when we said, "Okay, well, how much time do you think this saves you?" We heard, "Oh, it saves me forty hours a month, like hands down." You know, like wow. I'm saving yeah. hours. We had this position that we, uh, you know, couldn't backfill because of COVID. Now we don't have to fill it. You know, we replaced these workloads and then we thought, oh, we have this wonderful story, but yeah. it turns out no one wants to hear the story like, oh, we're going to replace your job with software, right? Or we're yeah. going to save half of your time. And uh, it is a much more nuanced and uh, gentle journey of discovering how you can really find a bunch of efficiency. And, um, that was a big wake up call for me. As you know, I've been on the mm -hmm. product side for my entire career, just dipping my toe into the, the waters of, of marketing and going to market. And so I'm learning all of this firsthand. And, and I really like the way you describe that. Uh, do you have any kind of advice for someone who's in my shoes, never really done this before. How do you start shifting your, your mindset or really understanding what might be the way to start a conversation with a potential customer that has the pain? They don't even know they have the pain. Well, um, I hate to say it depends, right? Of course, yeah. that, right. Um, but, but, and it's, if I can add a little call to action here, it's, and I, and I'm doing this very, you know, trying to do this in a very generous way in that smart bug, we actually produce an obscene amount of content on this very topic. So if you go to our blog at smartbugmedia.com and you subscribe, you'll, you'll end up getting a lot of this kind of information, um, on how to, like, what are the questions to ask, how to build your personas, tools of how you can actually totally free stuff, like how you can actually go on and you can start to map out what that, what that buyer journey looks like. But, um, but I think it, it's, it's all about like, how do you attract people? So it's not like the things that you discovered and in saving someone 40 hours a month, like that's pretty significant, right? Um, and, and that messaging is probably more relevant to them at one time in their buyer journey than in another. So the, the way that we like to think about how do you start to collect all of this information so you know what you should be saying and when is through buyer persona interviews. And I know we have a guide for that that you can check out that's on like, here's the exact questions to ask. And so the best thing is when you have a, a new customer, Right in that, right as they've just kind of gone out of that, that cycle of investigating and making a purchase and deciding to go with you, that's the perfect time to start asking them questions about when did they first realize, hmm, maybe there was another way they could probably, probably do things. So, um, and I would say if you're, if you want to like do targeted outreach to people, cause you think, all right, listen, I just know that this type of person in this role at this size company most likely is going to benefit. Then what kind of material can you create that for them? What kind of content can you create? What kind of tool? Like I just shared, we've got all these great tools, right? That's how we fill our pipeline at, at 
at SmartBug. We drink our own champagne. We practice inbound marketing. So we think about, well, what are the different things that our, our prospects might be researching online? And let's make sure we have that content there for them. But if our team is doing any kind of targeted outreach, let's say, they're going to take that content and they're going to repurpose it. And instead of sending an email and saying, hey, can we take a meeting or sending a LinkedIn request and being like, hey, can we? Can I have 15 minutes to show you my amazing product and how it's going to change your life? Instead, what can you give them? What can you teach them without asking for anything in return? And starting to make those deposits in your relationship with this person before you start making withdrawals. That's what's more important, I think, than, than anything else. That's a ton of great advice packed into just a couple minutes there. <laughs> and I know I'm going to be going over to the, the SmartBug uh, website. I think I'm already subscribed, but I'm sure I can dig back into some of those resources. Um, that's really great to know. So you guys are top level partner with HubSpot up there with Klaviyo. Do you guys uh, partner with other technologies as well? We do. We have over 20 different marketing technology partnerships. HubSpot and Klaviyo are our tier one partners. So like any, any business, right? You can, not, not everything and everyone can be a priority. That means that no one and nothing is a priority, right? So, so those are our, our tier ones, meaning every single one of our clients is either using HubSpot or Klaviyo, right? Uh, and that's kind of the entry point of really working with us, uh, or they want to use those platforms. And then we have these other platforms that we, where we, we've hand selected, we've curated this list based on what we know our clients at different stages of their growth might actually end up needing to support their marketing, sales, and customer success um, efforts. And so those MarTech partners are ones we also really, really enjoy working with. We collaborate with quite a bit, but in a different way than, than we do with HubSpot and Klaviyo. Gotcha. And before this, you really worked on the other side of the table because you were helping folks with their channel programs, technologies that wanted to sell through partners. You've kind of seen things from both sides. I'm curious what you think you have in that unique perspective of having worked on one side and now the other. Yeah, it's a kind of definitely a full circle type of, of situation because even prior to joining Allbound, where we were building partner enablement software and partner relationship management software and helping inspire a lot of marketing technology companies to build these partnerships who are now reach out to me to be a partner, um, which is great. Uh, I was, I ran marketing for a, a software company and 90% of our revenue came through our channel. And, and, and interestingly, my, my job was actually to try to displace that a little bit and, um, and, and move it down. So we, we got to where it was 80% uh, and then 20% through direct, um, long go-to-market strategy story there. It was ultimately really successful. We had a successful exit. It was great. Um, but being in that seat where I was leading marketing, for me, the sun rose and set with anything direct, direct marketing, direct sales. I definitely underestimated the value of these channel partners. Um, my poor, you know, partner leader in that organization, you know, kind of coming into my office, like saying like, well, this is what he needs. And I was like, I don't understand. Why can't they just do this? Or why can't they just do that? And then moving into Allbound and really spending a deeper amount of time understanding the like what these um, what these organizations need in order to successfully run their channel programs. And now, full circle, right? Being one of those channel partners myself, 
And, and looking back on even some of the things that I had thought were no brainers or I had recommended that now knowing what I know, realizing, okay, um, I, I, I won't say I was misguided, but I will say I, I underestimated, um, I underestimated what would be really needed and to, to make sure that a, a channel partnership was really successful. Gotcha. Is there anything specific there or is that a, it depends? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of, there are a lot of specifics. Um, I think, you know, when you are, when you run, um, when you're in charge of revenue at, at, at a software company or, and you're in charge of that partner channel, right, you've got, you probably have some revenue number uh, on your head, right? Of, okay, you have to drive a certain amount of business from this, this channel. Um, and it, and it's great. And it's, there, it's, it is so, so, so beneficial. I'm sorry. Because if I think back to that other company I was at where 90% of revenue came through the channel. Sure. Great. Except guess what? Like 80% of that 90% was coming from one partner. So mm-hmm. if that one partner left, like that could really dramatically impact our, our, our business. Um, and so, and so it's just something to be, to be cautious of. But on the flip side, if you have a number of channel partners that are driving equal or more equitable amounts of revenue, then you have more diversification of, of your business. Um, and, and there's a lot of strength there and also added stickiness depending on how you are, how you all are partnering with each other. Um, but, um, but it's 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 a it's an exciting opportunity for companies to really kind of grow. But I think where most companies make the biggest mistakes is, and and I don't, and I'm saying companies, not the partner leaders themselves, because I find that those people tend to be really underfunded in their organizations, and expectations from executive teams tend to be. Uh, much higher than they, they don't, they, they don't quite give the program enough time, uh, because it does need time. Because when you build a channel, you, those channel partners, they're like volunteer salespeople. They don't get paid anything until they refer and close and help close like your, your business. So like you have to understand like what's in it for them. And there needs to be certain amounts of enablement and you have to understand how do those partners make money? How do they lose money? How, you know, how do they operate? Um, how is the way they, they operate different from the way that you operate? And so there's just a lot of moving pieces. So those people who are leading channel programs in an organization, they're almost like a mini CEO in a way. And they need to be enabled as such, really treated as such. And, and, um, there are some, marketing technology companies of which we're even partners with that do this extraordinarily well. And there are others where I can see um, it's not the channel manager's fault. It's this organization didn't really fully understand what they were signing up for when they decided to attach revenue to the channel. Gotcha. So probably, uh, I guess that makes a ton of sense. So I guess let, I am always curious about specifics. When you talk about don't give it enough time, don't give it enough resources, what are kind of realistic expectations you would give to a company considering, you know, starting up a channel program? So I think um, your a short term channel goal would be a year long. Like giving something a year would be more of a short-term goal, um, knowing that it's something that will 
compound over time. And I equate it just, just like, just to inbound, the idea of inbound marketing. It is not a quick fix, quick hack, like do this once and money falls from the sky kind of, um, Honestly, I don't know anything that is. <laughs> uh, there's sure. probably a number of things claiming to be, but it is it is a long term investment um, in your intellectual property as an organ, like and your you know your your thought leadership and your position in whatever it is that you do, um, and it and it pays off dividends. It, it really truly does, um, and we and we'll we'll see that like five, ten years, kind of even down down the road. Like we as an organization practicing inbound are still reaping the benefits of content that we developed 10 years ago, right? It doesn't mean it hasn't been touched, things have been optimized, but it just builds one on top of another, no different from financial investments. So I think the channel needs to be viewed in a very similar way. Of course, you want to have milestones that let you know you're like headed in the right direction. But but I think when I see, hey, we're going to spin up a channel program and we're going to let them ramp for a quarter and expect to see revenue in Q2, if you're building from the ground up, that's really, really, really aggressive. Think like for your business, were you able to actually build your product, build your like the, the, the sales team, the marketing team, the customer success team, have them ramp. Like how much time did it take you for that? Right. And these are people, again, not on your payroll. So there you are not a high priority, most likely to them. Right. Um, depending on what you've kind of negotiated. So a little bit more, more time, well, well thought out. And it does, it, the ultimate timeline will depend based off of what kind of a program you're running. If it's white labeled, if it's a straight, if it's a reseller, or if it's a referral partnership affiliate, there are so many different ways that you can partner with organizations and it's still called quote the channel. That's great insight. And I don't know where these expectations come from, right? So I don't remember when I reached out to you to you know, come on the show, but it's been probably a month or something since we got you locked in. And this is a, you know, one hour commitment for a podcast. It's not a partnership. It's not anything. So, you know, to think the people who are going to sell your products the best, the partners you really want, they're busy. They have meetings. Mm -hmm. They're all booked up. And so, you know, starting that relationship, getting them interested, enabling them properly, like, yeah, a quarter is ridiculous. You know, ridiculous. May maybe you get one <laughs> you have one good partner in a quarter, but the relationships take time because the people you want to be talking with are busy and they're booked up and uh, it takes time for, for things to, to percolate and the synergies to start working. So I think that's great insight, but yeah, I don't know where those expectations come from and they seem to be everywhere and they seem to be coming from people who should know better. Yes. Well, you know, when you're doing budget planning, forecasting planning, you're trying to hit numbers. Uh, it's amazing how you'll negotiate with yourself, even as an executive. So I can empathize. Um, I, I know how easy it is to get, get trapped there. Um, but, um, but people who have built partner programs and have done it well, I mean, they, they know, like they kind of have those scars on their back. They know like what's, what, what, what's transpired and, um, and, you know, and yeah, and everyone, everyone's a little bit different, but, um, but I mean, and I'm happy to share like some even more specific examples of, of, of some of our, you know, some of the, the relationships I know that we have or the elements of them and like how, how it's working now. Like I think about, we have, um, we have one of our tier two, right. Um, uh, partners and, we are doing some extraordinary work with them. We are driving a lot of revenue for them, 
but it's taken, it's taken like a little over a year to really get here. Right. And so luckily there was, um, the person on the other end who was, you know, person at that, that marketing technology company has a wealth of experience, so much experience, um, building channel programs, understood, had the buy-in from the executive team and the board of what needed to be in place and was really able to architect this, um, properly from the ground up. And then I've got others where we've checked, we've been partners with them for longer and, but we're, Nowhere, nowhere close to um, driving the same amount of revenue because the enablement is is completely different. Gotcha. Let's talk a little bit about that enablement. Where do you feel like uh, you have everything when you have everything you need? What does that mm-hmm. look like? So the first thing is that the again, like speaking from being the agency with all hundreds of marketing technology platforms that want us to partner with them. And they want access to our brand, our reputation with HubSpot or Klaviyo, and they want access to our client base, of course, as they should, right? Um, so the ones that the ones that like work really well, for, the first thing they do is they seek to understand our business. They seek to understand our business model of how we make money, how we lose money, uh, how we acquire new customers, when we lose customers, what those folks are looking for. They also seek to understand the way that we just operate, like really like just very like blocking and tackling, like how do we actually function as a business? What does the organization look like? Who is reporting to whom? Um, where, you know, where's their plans for growth? I mean, like, we're getting really into the details of, of the organization. So you can see at this point, you know, you, you've got NDAs in place, of course, you've got partnership agreements, you, you're really, you're really opening up to each other. Um, because if you try to approach this from a very closed off perspective, you're, you're not going to be successful, right? So, so that transparency is really, really important. Um, they find out what's the best way that we're currently enabling our teams. So rather than forcing us to, you know, and saying, hey, we want you to come here and we want you to do this our way, they spend some time up front learning how do we do it ourselves? When we roll out a new service, what does that look like? When we, when someone has technical questions, who do they go to? What do we leverage? So as a, like a very like specific example, we are a fully remote organization. So as you said, almost 200 employees, fully remote. We've never had an office. We never will have an office. When um, the pandemic hit and everyone was forced to be remote, it was, for the most part, business as usual for us. Um, we, we were very fortunate in, in that in that respect. Um, and But because of that, we have a lot of digital infrastructure that makes it actually really easy for us to plug in with other organizations. So my team lives and breathes in Slack, right? That's where we have all, and all of our channels are very, very purposeful. So rather than saying, all right, I know, and I believe, and I used to, I was a founding team member at Allbound creating a PRM and there's a place for PRM. There is a place for the deal registration, having access to the content. But however, 
it doesn't replace the benefit of we, we use Slack Connect and every single one of our MarTech partners is right there embedded inside our Slack instance. And so anyone on my team who wants to engage with that, that partner um, to ask quick questions, whether it's about pricing or it's, hey, my client, this, you know, this client name, um, is having this kind of problem, would this be a good solution that someone can jump in and like make those connections? And we're right there in its business as usual, the same way that my team would be connecting with their colleagues. And so we've had partners that are resistant because they're like, no, they want to funnel us all through whatever infrastructure they have. And my response is, okay, that's fine. You can demand that. My team, I'm just telling you, you're going to get more business from us if you actually come and play in our playground versus having us leave ours and come over to yours. So the way you can just kind of lean into the way the way that we work or getting embedded in our own internal training calendars that we have, our editorial calendars, understanding what is our marketing team working on. And rather than proposing something that's like out of left field, Instead, say, okay, well, how do we add value to what you're already doing? How do we like just get more squeeze, get more juice from the squeeze, right? Together, um, and those are some of the things that it honestly, like, I it probably sounds like, oh yeah, like no big deal, like what? But I'm telling you that somewhere in a vacuum, executives at technology companies are making decisions and deciding the way that they're going to work with these partners without having any insight into how the partners actually operate themselves. Totally. No, it's, it's <laughs> like most good advice. It sounds simple once, uh, once you hear it, but taking that time and, and yeah, operating where, where the partners want to operate. It's a huge one. Having the conversations they want to have when they want to have them understanding how they do business. I love that. That's something that, um, I've been doing with, with our partners coming on and understanding, you know, there's a lot of interest in, Hey, we'd love to show incentive pilot to our customers. First thing I ask is when would you show them? Do you have, you know, pitch meetings or is this come at the end of a, of an existing agreement or, you know, what are these conversations even like? So I can yeah. make sure that you have the information you need. So it makes total sense. And if you have never done it before, you probably don't think about it because it is weird. It's challenging enough to build a team and do it internally. It's even more challenging when, uh, when it's an outside organization. But like you said, they're volunteer salespeople. I like that. I think I'm going to steal that. And it's a good Go way to frame it, uh, because, uh, that's exactly what it is. And when you think of it that way, you'll probably think about, uh, enabling them differently or think about the relationship differently, but that transparency is so important because if the cards on our, are all on the table, then how are you going to help each other out? Exactly. And, and there's something, uh, I think we made a lot of headway, um, this year in coaching our marketing technology partners because we want to drive revenue together through those relationships too, right? We've got goals also. I've got team members that are incentivized to collaborate with partners and drive revenue together. Um, and so, and so if I think about as an agency, Yes, I have a sales team, but I have a sales team of like six people, right? We have the vast majority of our organization are in our client services org, and they're not salespeople. They are marketing professionals who are providing services to our clients who are helping solve problems for them. So what I, one of the pieces of advice I, I, we gave um, our partners and we had them all fill out kind of an intake sheet and we, and I specifically said, 
I don't want your marketing or sales kind of um, like lingo. Like, don't give me a bunch of words that talk about we're going to operationalize your effectiveness or we're going to accelerate your this or that. Like, no, no, no. Like, give me actual like tactical examples. Like, okay, we are a good fit for if your client um, has a lot of top of funnel leads, but they're really struggling uh, through like deal conversion right? Something like that. Like then our solution can help in this very specific way. Like giving us actual examples, almost like, like storytelling, what we could be looking for, because that makes it a whole lot easier for our team as they're navigating all of these challenges that our clients have to go, okay, there's a number of ways I can help solve this problem for my client. Um, there's some strategy and content and that's all us, right? But then there might be something else, like maybe it's, hmm, you know what? Based off of based off of the what this client does and how they help their customers, we think maybe a video marketing or video sales, I'm sorry, solution would help them in in um, communicating with these prospects. And so then we might say we recommend that you use Vidyard and their sales suite that they have. And here's why. And by the way, oh, here's an example case study of like of a um, of a company that looks similar to you that is also has gone through this problem and then they've, they've come up with a solution. So very, very um, scenario-based is what we found to be really successful. Absolutely. And sp- yeah, that specific pain point that comes up in, in uh, conversation, right? Uh, so important, like, uh, well, because it's not the salespeople, it's the customer success people. It mm-hmm. is the it's the problem solvers, like you said. So that one scenario, you can have your ears perk up when we don't have traffic here or we're lacking engagement with trainings or this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. And so you know exactly where to fit in. So that's great advice. So you said when you were on the other side of the table, you underestimated some of the things that you might need mm-hmm. uh, as a as a partner. What were some of those things? Um, I think I, I underestimated how much, you know, technology doesn't solve everything. There's still the relationship piece. So it's not just about spinning up a platform and it just does all the work for you. I don't know that I ever thought that specifically, but I think I underestimated um, how much value is put into like really, especially with like, if you think about t- like a tier one partner, like a really like white glove treatment that you would provide to those partners. Um I think I also, I just, I underestimated uh, how important it would be to work in the partner's environment. So what I just described about Slack and about actually being embedded in the organization, if you run the channel for your business, that's potentially very concerning, right? Because you're like, well, wait a minute, like, now I've got things happening somewhere. Now I should say Slack Slack Connect makes it a lot easier and it's a lot safer because you 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 both have kind of shared ownership. But um, but you you could say like, hey, this is now becoming completely decentralized, right? So so and 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 how do we you know where how do we put like more energy into this partner versus versus another? Um, so I think those are some things I I think I I underestimated a bit. Um, and, and, and assuming like, well, if we spin up a resource center, people will just self-serve and we should just train them to self-serve. And I had so many 
there were so many customers at All Bound who were like, I just don't know if my partners will do that. Like, they're still going to ask for stuff via email. And every time I ask one of my partner-related, you know, collaborators, right? Like outside of SmartBug for something via Slack or email, there's like a little part of me that's like, I know there's probably a portal where I can actually grab this information. It probably exists, but I'm really, really busy and my customer needs this right now. And so if you want me to pitch you, then like give it to me right now, like hand it over on a silver platter. And so I underestimated that a lot. (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's the convenience. It's also the peace of mind. Like yeah. Websites aren't always up to date. Portals aren't always up to date. The the PDF might look a little different. You know, the they might have new video stuff. Like all you know, there's so much there's so much content and there's so much mm-hmm. complexity and it's changing all the time. And uh yeah, it's it's just more comfortable to get it from the person yeah. you trust, right? That this is the latest, the greatest, and I'm on the right track. So yeah, that makes sense. And when it comes to you know, these deals and, and those high tier partners, like it's worth every minute you invest in, in those relationships. So it makes sense, but, uh, I can see the resistance to it, but I think that comes back to the prioritization. Like you were talking about, yeah. if you have those important partners, then you give them all that TLC. And if you have folks that uh, are lower on the totem pole, then maybe they can log in and find it themselves. But yeah. Or maybe you don't have to be in their Slack. But uh, right. I think finding that that right amount of attention uh, is important for everything, probably everything in life in general, but uh, in partnerships too. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of the lessons yeah. I learned from houseplants is like the right amount of attention, right? Too much attention, you kill them. Not enough, you kill them. And uh, it's like that healthy that healthy uh, relationship, uh, the right amount is is the key to everything. So that's your uh, your deep lesson of houseplants from Andrew today. I, I love it. I can't keep any houseplants alive. I'm horrible. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I've killed my fair share, but that's how I learned. <laughs> nice. So you got a big event coming up, HubSpot's Inbound Conference yes. coming here at the beginning of September. What do you guys have planned for that? I am so excited for Inbound. It's been a few years since we were all in person together in Boston, Uh, of course, due to COVID. So we have been um, doing it virtually. Uh, This is actually a hybrid event. So both in-person and digital virtual. So if you're unable to make it out to Boston, don't worry. Uh, You can get uh, a pass and there's different levels of passes that you can access. Um, I'm super excited. probably most excited to go and hear Barack Obama speak. So that doesn't happen every day. Um, but but we're excited because it's an opportunity for us to reconnect with our customers who are there and to spend a little bit of time face-to-face with them, to collaborate with other partners that we have. And I also host a podcast, uh, the Intelligent Inbound Podcast. And I've been deep in, into recording season two. And we're going to be recording live from HubSpot's inbound stage. They have a podcast stage specifically and talking with our CRO, Stephanie Valenti. uh, The topic is on how the two of us, both being women, made it to the C-suite, what our path was like, what are some of the challenges we experienced, and what are some of our learnings from along the way. So I have that session and we have a couple other team members who are also speaking on very nitty gritty marketing topics, but we're 
we're just we're just really looking forward to reconnecting with again all of our customers and partners and um, and enjoying that event and getting some inspiration too. Very cool. That sounds like a great conversation. I look forward to that one. Do I get any sneak peeks about what you'll share? Well, you you already know a little bit about how <laughs> I made it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of like I, I came from here. I will say this. So when I was at that time in attendance software company where 90 percent of our revenue came through through partners um, and I was hired to build the, a direct kind of sales and marketing strategy, I decided to take an inbound approach. So this was back in 2013. And I bought HubSpot. It was really early days of HubSpot, truly. And but I believed in the methodology. And we really embraced the inbound, that inbound methodology and um and and aligned ourselves from a digital marketing perspective. And we're very, very successful. And I hired Smartbug to build a website hosted on HubSpot CMS because I wanted to leverage smart content to apply the right messaging to the audience, whether they were a partner or they were a direct, um, a direct uh, business that we were going to sell directly to. And, and that was, you know, something that I was able to do using technology that HubSpot had. And that's how I met the founder of Smartbug, Ryan Malone, and got to know this team. And then at Allbound, um, later when I joined that team, I actually ended up hiring Smartbike again, but this time on a retainer to be kind of my bread and butter demand generation team. So my history with Smartbike goes back quite some time as being someone from the outside who then loved the results, loved it so much that I was like, I got to get on the inside. I got to be part of this. So there you go. There's a little sneak peek. (laughs) Thank you. No, I look forward to to hearing the full conversation. You're going to have to let me know when when that episode is out. That's awesome. Of course. So Jen, I think you shared a lot of really interesting insights about being both sides of the table in the channel. Obviously you're a wonderful uh, leader and a pleasure to talk to, but the final question is how good are you at our terribly difficult, terribly addictive <laughs> video game tap to flap? Oh, I'm going I'm going to pull up my timer here. If you could click that link in the chat and share your screen and if, or if you already have it open, just hit refresh. So we got a fresh score for you. You want to count me down and I'll start the timer. If you get a game over, you can just click and keep going. It'll automatically record your high score from, from our minute. Okay. This is the most stressed I've been in a while. (laughs) Let's see here. (laughs) All right. I'm just doing a three, two, one. Sure. All right, three, two, one. And she's oh, off. Well, I'm her Anna Marie. Well, okay, this is a major user error situation. Give it a triple click. There you go. Oh, okay. Gotta let it fall a little bit, get through those pipes, but it's tricky. This is, I have the worst hand-eye coordination, apparently, or mouse mouse coordination yeah, of mouse anybody. Mouse coordination? Is this, That's is the there next generation. Is there, is, there, is there an award? Is there an award for the worst player ever? Well, you might tie with the worst if you get zero. Oh, there's, oh gosh, yeah. I, I think I've lost all credibility. Oh, almost one. <laughs> I was, I was hoping for the one right there. There we go. Yeah, she got one 12 seconds ago. Could she beat one? Let's see. No, okay. This is so 
Okay, that's the end of the minute, but you got one point. And in a binary world, that <laughs> that's a win. So thank you for participating, Jen. I don't know where you fall on the leaderboard, but you didn't get zero. You're not last. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, very, very, very challenging and very addictive. <laughs> that was great. It gets very addictive. Our team uh, will uh, have a little, you know, we'll drop a little challenge and slack everybody everybody play and we're quite hooked it's one of the reasons it works well in incentive pilot people get to come back and play every day so they get to uh you know talk a little trash and get better and better but uh when you have your your marketing message in the middle of the game you know people kind of uh, create a conversation around it which is a lot of fun so jen you're going to be at inbound people can dig into all the amazing resources on SmartBugs website uh if people want to get in touch with you directly where's the best place to find you uh, I would say hit me up on LinkedIn, just Jen Spencer, Smartbug Media, LinkedIn. Uh, and if you reach out and connect or send a message, please let me know that you listen to this Enterprise Eyeballs uh, podcast. That way I have the context of knowing how we came to know each other. And you get that uh, dark social attribution. <laughs> 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 okay, thanks so much for coming on the show, Jen. Uh, I hope we, I hope you come back in the future, and maybe you can beat that that one flap score. I yeah, I'm gonna keep playing with this. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks, Andrew.